podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And we're on that. And we oh, are on. Special day, isn't it? Special it is day. a special day. It doesn't, you know, I mean, I'd love to feel like a big, you know, Hollywood star and say things like, I don't get out of bed for less than, you know, 500 grand or something. But we don't pod for less than a new fixture release date. That's what we do. We don't we don't pod in the middle of the day, UK time, unless something's dropped. And we've got new info, Matt. We now know the fixtures to our upcoming season. Um, there's plenty to talk about, don't you think? Yeah, there certainly is. It's crazy, isn't it, yesterday, how uh, there were like these fake pictures of people holding dossiers with the fixtures and uh, random bits of paper that have been found on Southwest trains with the fixture list. And, so, and we all believed it. We all believed this. Like, all right, Craven Cottage it is. Let's, let's book the travel. And it's just some 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 spotty thirteen year old in their in their bedroom mocking up comps. So uh, it's yeah. always it's so weird the people who make stuff like that. Oh, I'm not sure what they get out of it. You know, they could be doing better things in their life, like listening to the AOP. And while we're at it, let's dive in, shall we? Good afternoon. You heard it, people. We are doing a pod live from the afternoon UK time because we've got some new news. I'm here with man like Matt Candela. How are you feeling? I'm good, mate. It was uh, exciting to wake up, uh, wait for wait for the, wait for the page to refresh and see all those beautiful fixtures just fold into the page. Wow, you know, 38 games. We know exactly what we've got to do if we're going to usurp Manchester City this season. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? I guess it's like, you know, you have an idea of what you might hope might happen, but now we actually have the roadmap. We have the blueprint. It might not all go our way, but you can already start saying, all right, well, that might be like that, and we're all going to start doing it. We're going to start doing a little championship manager thing in our heads of, oh, I've got to go there and get something, get there, you know, uh, and you're strategizing about a league we, we know nothing about, but that is the nature of football, the beauty of football. Uh, most of it is played in a fan's head and, and that's the way it goes. Um, but before we fire into the meat of this pod, let's just get involved in this, shall we? Hottest, hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP, hottest of takes. Make it spicy. We know people, well, people know by now that the hottest of takes should carry a heat warning. You know, people could listen to it and just fall over through heat exhaustion. Matt, hit them with something absolutely roasting. I'm just absolutely loving this window so far. And I know if I said that on Twitter, everyone would be like, oh, what do you mean? We haven't signed anyone. We haven't done anyone. But there's just such a sea shift in the ambition that Arsenal are showing this summer. You know, I, I think I said yesterday, I remember when Arsenal didn't sign an outfield player in the summer transfer window. That was that was dark, dark times. That was a team that was sort of nowhere near competing and then just not signing anyone and thinking it might be okay. We have fully, fully, fully turned the corner. And you just look at the progress. You know, we had the the summer where we where we basically ripped out the core of the team with Ramsdale and White and Tomiyasu and Erdegaard, and then we built on it next season. But it feels like Arteta and his ruthless ambition and his wild dreams are not are not letting up and it feels like there is a real desire to 
be the team that wins the transfer window. It's always difficult to tell who wins it, but just the, the quality of the names that we're being associated with, Declan Rice, Caicedo, uh, Kai Havertz, um, you know, it just feels like um, there's genuine belief and momentum around our, our transfer activity. Yes, we need to get them done. Yes, we need to get them locked. Yes, there's going to be players in that list that we don't sign. There are going to be players we haven't even heard of who we do sign. But it feels good to be an Arsenal fan again. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't. I very much think it's good to be an Arsenal fan. But I'm, I may, actually, because it's always good when there's a little bit of you know, conflict for the narrative. I'm going to offer a bit of a different perspective. And that is that whilst I'm not saying, you know, for anyone who's getting carried away right now with how the season, the transfer window's not going on, I'd encourage everyone to pump your brakes. Like, the reality is, is nothing's happened yet. Yes, Bellingham's gone to Madrid. Yeah, there are, you know, McAllister's moving. But the, the lion's share of the business has not happened yet. And we all know that every year it tends to go like dominoes. And it builds up to a critical mass and then they all start to topple. So chill out. We are not behind time. We're not behind schedule. I'll be the first one announcing it if we start falling behind schedule and we've got all our players having to come in the last week, have no time to gel, etc. Um, but um, everyone, you know, chill out. My kind of pushback a little bit is when the fixtures get released and we will get onto it in depth, as, as as I kind of stated earlier, you get to start to understand the kind of roadmap for how things were go- are going to take shape. And I think it is imperative, imperative, that we make a strong start to next season. We have to. So then when you factor that in to the business that we have to get done, I'm going to say loud and clear, we have to get our, our business done early. One, one, one. You, you hark back to previous seasons where we didn't sign an outfield player. Very dark days. I'll also raise you um, a season where we signed no one until the season had started, and we'd taken wallopings, and then we just randomly start, you know, uh, snatching people up, just trying to get enough to get us over the line. One of those guys, I'm pretty sure, is the current manager of the team, <laughs> who we bundled in at the last minute. You know, no opportunity to get them bedded in no opportunity to get that uh th- that chemistry going so we can hit the ground running we cannot do that that's the biggest thing that i want to see i want our business done nice and early because we know that we're going to have to start this season um you know in red hot form and i think that we can that's that i want to end on that positive i think we will you know can and will get our business done in time uh, hence the fact that no one should be panicking at this stage, but it is imperative and we have to learn from lessons uh, of yesteryear where we have dilly-dallied and ultimately it's come back to cost us. So here's here's hoping that Arsenal do get the job done and I think they will. Hottest of takes like that. Look at that red roast in that one. Um, now, Matt, it's obvious where we're going to be. Oh, I didn't even put the banner up. There you go for the visuals. Last bit. There's the hottest of takes banner. There you go. But now let's fire in to what you know, the name the name of the pod is. The fixtures for next season have been released and we have them here. Oh, look at that. Get rid of that little banner. So, Matt, can I interest you in the start of the season at home to Nottingham Forest? Uh, followed up with, let's just go through the first kind of, you know, couple of months. Crystal Palace away. Got a big result there early last, early last season. So we'd hope to see that again. Fulham at home. That seems immensely winnable, in my opinion. Man United at home, got to give them the treatment. Everton away, 
I mean, can we get some justice from last year? Can we turn that one around? Send them back down to where they want? Then the scumbags turn up at our ground, have to get the same treatment again, um, and then Bournemouth away. Matt, that's seven games there. Is there anything in that out of those seven games that scare you? And I, I've stopped there, not just because it's a lovely two-month, you know, tie a bow on it, but also the game after that is when it all really kicks off because it's City at home. So um, anything in the first seven games that's got you really worried there? Um, well, first of all, I wanted an easy start because, like you said, I think every time Arsenal do well, we're such a confidence team. It's part of our DNA. Every time we do have a good year, it feels like it stems from a really, really great start. It feels like we, we, we lead from the front pretty well. Um, and so I was just trying to avoid any like really tough away games in the first first couple of months, really. Um, and we've done that. We've avoided the really, really tough away. Now, there are no easy away games. You know, Everton away, we, we lost last season. But you look at that fixture list and you compare it to what we achieved last season. So last season, we beat Nottingham Forest at home. We beat Crystal Palace away. We beat Fulham at home. We beat Manchester United at home. We beat Tottenham at home and we beat Bournemouth away and we lost to Everton away. I'm looking to, at the minimum, replicate what we did last season, the minimum. So, you know, six, six let's, if, if we want to, that's six, we need six wins and a draw from our first seven, in my opinion. Ideally seven wins, but six wins and a draw from our first seven and we're cooking. And then we go into the City game, unbeaten, full of confidence, but make no mistake, those are not easy games. Palace away, I think Nottingham Forest at home is an easy game. Like you can't, you can't, you can't drop points there. But opening day, anything can happen. Um, Palace, also, Matt. Something yeah. I saw about the uh, opening fixture. Apparently, um, the uh, the Arsenal, in terms of their home games, when they're when it's first the first game up, we've apparently won two and lost four. So. You know, yeah. Yeah, don't don't do well when we're at home in our first game of the season. So uh, we no. have to turn that one around. I think we'll have too much for Forest, and I think we'll be able to use the fuel of that awful away game at the end of last season to just remind ourselves that there's no easy game. Palace away always a hard game, but I think I'd rather be playing them uh, in August when it's a bit sunny. I don't want to be going to Selhurst Park on a cold, wet January night. Fulham at home. Now we all remember thrashing them away but Fulham at home I think we won in the last minute last year and we were 1-0 down until about 15 minutes to go Gabriel came and res rescued our blushes having made a mistake that is not an easy game they will remember last season and they will think they can get a result and then we got Manchester United huge 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 game so early on in the season only the fourth game I'm glad we're at home um, I think it's a real statement and an opportunity to put a marker down give them an L to get the win um, but that's not an easy game, and they'll be they'll be fit and they'll be flying. Um, Manchester United expect them to come out the blocks really quickly, and then Everton away are bogey team. I wanted them to go down purely because we always lose away at Everton. So these aren't easy games. Then Tottenham and Bournemouth. I mean, Tottenham's Tottenham. Bournemouth away should be straightforward. So I think it's a I think it's about as good as you can get from a start. No, no big top top four, top six away games. It was the thing I was looking for. And I was looking for a home opener. And we've got both of those things. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it, with the easier stuff? Pretty much everything that you've kind of uh, explained there, I'm on board with. Um, A lot of these games... The thing is, is with Arsenal, we know that we play best when the sun is shining, we're at home, the fans are cheering. Some of these guys who are showing up in town, like I'll often try and get, um, or I would prefer, I should say, um, our bigger games to be at home, in the sunny months, uh, early on or late on, because we tend to, you know, give them our best efforts. Uh, what we don't want is nasty fixtures away from home in the cold. That's when we start to struggle, uh, especially. You mean like you mean like Liverpool away on the twenty third of December? That's exactly <laughs> the kind of <laughs> exactly the kind of fixture that uh, will cause problems. Um, that being said, Nottingham Forest will be getting the treatment off us this year. I absolutely. I'm very confident of that, as long as there's no freak injuries in the in the summer window. Um, I, I, like you, I'm exactly the same. Palace away is a much harder game when you're in, you know, April, March, rainy, Wednesday night, a couple of fixtures ago, you got another big game, in, you know, that you've got to factor in. Suddenly that becomes a tricky one. Palace away early on, I think we'll have too much for them. Uh, even Roy Hodgson's still there, and you know they, they improved towards the end of last season. I expect them to, you know, give us give us a, a tough test. I think they'll be better than what they uh, showed last year throughout the you know the whole course of it. But I still think we can go in there, and if we set about them like the way that we did this time, I think realistically we can get the points. Um, you've got Fulham at home. Unlike you, I think we'll be getting. I'm confident we'll beat them. Um, and I, I, do you know what? Like, I'm just going to say it all, all in. Man U could absolutely take points. You never know. But I still fancy us over them because the reality is, is we're a better team than them. I think Tottenham Hotspur. They've hired in a guy who we never know how to work out, but he looks like he's out of his depth, and I can't wait to see that <laughs> absolute tire fire, um, just rage all season. So the reality is, is. I know I'm optimistic. I know I'm that kind of Arsenal fan, but I'm going to say I think we can get a win out of all of those games. Um, and like you say, if we can get all wins and one draw, we'll take it um, heading into that City game because this year we are absolutely going to have to, um, we're going to have to beat City at home. There's no question about it. So we better make that, you know, I think, I think seven or eight a, wins out of the first eight games. Yeah, I think it's don't, you, you just can't lose. Because I think what we saw last season with the City game, losing two creates a reversal of 12 points. That is insane that you get that because they get the points, we don't get the points. If we were able to just draw those games last season, then I think we would have had a really, really good opportunity to win the league. But you cannot, cannot, cannot lose. Certainly can't lose at home. You have to get a point. So... um you know, you look at that and you go, you know, th- those are going to be sort of two critical games. We've got that opening seven and then we've almost got like a mini, a mini set of fixtures with Manchester City at home and then and then Chelsea away. That's, that feels like a, uh, a nasty little break. It feels like there's an international break looking at that between October the 7th and the 21st. So it's almost the last game before you go into the international break is Manchester City. You don't want to go into the international break with a defeat because then you've got two weeks to stew on it. You want to have a game straight after to put things right. So I think course one, how do we get into that international break 
um, without without having been defeated? How do we stay unbeaten and then get the chance to regroup and go big against Chelsea away on the 21st of October? Matt, I think you're spot on, to be honest. I really do. Um, it, it, but like like we say as well, it, it's, it's so interesting that now we can actually see the storylines. We know where, uh, you know, the offences will be committed one way or the other. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you, because uh, I did have to just quickly pop out there, but um, whether you talked about the end of the season and what that looks like now. Because haven't talk, haven't talked about the end of the season. I wanted to chat a little bit about these Champions League, you know, the body of those Champions League games, because we're going to have all these group stages in October, November, beginning of December. And so I'm looking at those, I'm, I'm sort of, there's sort of those two, I think the big scary ones for me, because Chelsea away, I think, comes after an international break. The big scary ones for me are Newcastle United away on the 4th of November and Brentford away on the 25th of November and then potentially Luton away. But I think Luton are not not in the same level as a, of a team as Brentford and Newcastle. So I think we've just got to be looking at those and going, keeping an eye when those Champions League fixtures come out and making sure we're not away from home in the Champions League and then having to go up to Newcastle on the 4th of November. I'm going to be really eagle-eyed when I see those fixtures on Champions League, first week of November, 1st of November, 2nd of November, 31st of October. What's that game before Newcastle away? Brentford's slightly better. It's in London. We don't have to travel. But the last thing you want is to be getting back from Italy or Spain having played a big away game on a, on a Thursday morning at 5 a.m. and then having to get on a plane to Newcastle on the Saturday. It means you've literally got a day to prepare for one of your toughest, if not the toughest, away game in the Premier League. So that's the, that's the big flashing red light for me, Newcastle away and what, what fixture precedes that. Let's just hope we get the easiest team in the group stages at home before we play Newcastle away and Brentford away. Yeah, I mean, I could raise you even Shakhtar Donetsk, and that's a little kind of, yeah, you know, I, I presume they're in it, you know, either way. Um, not away. Kind not, of, not, yeah, not exactly, away. the away games. Then suddenly you've got to get up and then heading up to St. James's Park, you're talking about a nightmare. But in general, I believe, I, I don't know, I, I'm not sure it's all been sorted out yet, but um, people, certainly in my WhatsApp groups and stuff, were saying that it should, the way it shakes out, leave us with home games if not after every Champions League group fixture, certainly most of them. Um, I believe City's one of them. You know, City is City. Um, but, you know, either way, it should mean that if we can get to the stage where despite the uh, strength of the opponent, opponent, we are still playing at home, that will be a bit of a godsend and hopefully lead to, you know, uh, us doing ourselves a lot more justice rather than having to, as you say, travel all around the gaff. Yeah, and then there's a few uh, there's a few a few standout fixtures. Obviously, Liverpool away on the 23rd of December. That gives me all those you know those Freddie vibes. Thierry and Freddie, I think we beat them on the 23rd of December. Around you know last time we beat them, I think must have been close to that. Um, so that's a big one. Boxing Day, West Ham. We've always got West Ham on Boxing Day, right? Always feels like that's the one. Fulham away. On, on 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 New Year's uh, Eve Eve, um, that's that's all right. And then and then yeah. So let's let's maybe we we should chat about. Um, I think the other standout ones, obviously, Manchester City away 
on March the 30th. Mm. I feel like that's a fix because I'm pretty mm. convinced that March the 30th from pretty much every year is the League Cup final day. Oh, really? And, and I'm pretty convinced. It always feels like it's like it's the end of March. I have to check. Have yeah, to check. yeah, yeah. But And obviously it won't have come out yet. But I do feel like that is extremely ripe, or at least a, a, an FA Cup weekend. I feel like that is ripe, even the way it's March the 30th and there's a game two days later on against Luton. Mm. I feel like that's very much ripe for a rearrange. Yeah. So that suddenly City away gets rearranged to late mid-May, becomes the title decider again away from home. So that's bit of a red flag around that one as well, well for, for Premier League audiences and let's be honest um you know it, I, I don't know using the word fix and things like that like it, it's quite an emotive term but in general one thing we know is that the Premier League is a business and what they want more than anything else are eye, eyeballs and one thing they would have loved was having the two heavyweights of the lead swing it out um, late on in the season for all the marbles, seemingly, and it worked out that way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it will probably suit them if they're, you know, if it is going to be us again as the title protagonists, duking it out in a kind of heavyweight bout late on in the fixture. And, and they can go, oh, we didn't plan it this way. Look, it's just moved around. We've got this floating fixture again, which we can pretty much choose when we want to put it. Um, I, I just find it very interesting as well with regards to the end of the season now. If you look at some of those fixtures, people have flagged it up. When we have actually won the league, we've won it away at White Hart Lane. We've won it away at Old Trafford. And they're perfectly poised if we were going to do oh. something special this season. The penultimate game at Old Trafford, that feels like it could be absolutely monumental. It Fuck could be yeah, no. it could be giving you Keone jumping in Van Nistelrooy kind of vibes, that kind of epic. Sylvan Wiltle jumping over a massive man in Unwankwo Kanu and rewrite another legendary story. That's there for you. Go and, and take it, Arsenal. And obviously Everton at home. I mean, it's it's uh it's bold, chipping the ball forward, Tony Adams. That Gabriel, up. let's update it, Matt. Gabriel that's... thinks he throws <laughs> Saliba's on the run. Would you believe it? <laughs> and turn around in the sunshine. Oh, dear. Wouldn't that be something? Don't you think it's incredible that we can get this excited about 38 fixtures that are exactly the same as everyone else's every single year you play? You play them all home. You play them all away. It's jumbled around. It all gets moved anyway because of TV. But there is very little as exciting as Premier League fixture day. My God, I'm already imagining all these incredible moments. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is, is when you think about the fixtures, it's like, it, you, you know, it's it's like um, playing cards. And at the end of the day, the cards don't change. They all have the same value. But when you shuffle them, it can change who wins it because of the order. That ultimately is the way it goes. And there are different things that can happen out of everyone's control. Injuries countless things that might affect the team. And if you, for instance, were going through an easier run of fixtures, which meant that you could mitigate those, you know, bad moments in the season and pick up points, and as opposed to, again, by chance, your team is fighting strong, full on full uh, confidence and fit, and, and then you get your harder fixtures and you can plough through them and do a better job. That's the kind of stuff that has a serious impact on who ultimately will be victorious. So... This, uh, of course, we can't go 
too heavy on a, a, a bunch of fixtures when people haven't even finalised their squads. There's barely even been any transfers yet. But, but can I can I say one thing though? I think can we agree that the run in is a tough one because yeah. I think we've got we've got United Spurs. I think it all becomes really about the aways in the run in. That's yeah. where the real and I think we've got City away, Spurs away, United away, and Brighton away in the last eight games. I mean, that's pretty brutal, isn't it? That's about as hard as it gets. It is, but, but this is the thing, Matt, isn't it? First of all, we're saying Brighton away, wow, it's as hard as it gets. If Brighton are like they were last season, absolutely, sign me up. That is a rock-hard fixture. Are they going to be as good as next uh, as last season? We don't know. Lots of times teams fall away. In fact, in most cases, they do when they're in Brighton's kind of archetype, particularly after player sales. Um, Wolves away, I'll take that. We can do them. Uh, yep. in April. It depends what kind of Wolves team we're dealing with, but still. Uh, and, you know, in some ways, I would rather have big games away like, you know, to go to Old Trafford than I would to have to go to Goodison Park with a couple of games to, to go. You know what I mean? Like, you, you oh, can't... Oh, I don't know not... about that. I don't know about that. Oh, Old, about Tra- Old Trafford will be up for it anyway. And when's, the last time we, when's the last time we won at Old Trafford? Uh, well, Ten years ago? Yeah, ago? but but when do we you, do, do win you, up do there, we want... tend to win the league, mate. That kind yeah. of thing. So you know, it it it's an opportunity at least. And and what happens towards the end of the season is, if not, we we start to um, lose focus and not necessarily get up for each game and prepare the way we should. And that's what I want us out of. And when we play big glamorities, we tend to show up. Tend to. So yeah. you know, at least it it will all you know not. We don't know, but that City game away will be quite a key fixture, you'd imagine, no matter how this season shakes up for us. 100%. And I did check that last weekend of March when the City game is penciled in is going to be most likely the League Cup final. So we need City knocked out of the League Cup. We can't have them winning the quadruple or even vying for the quadruple because that will mean that game will be rearranged to the right at the back end of the season, and I, I, my, I can't handle that after this season. I really, I really, really can't. <laughs> I'll make you right there. I'll make you right. Were there any other things about the fixtures that you wanted to jump onto now, or should we move quickly on to some of the player talk, transfer window talk? Let's move on to the player talk, and I think just while we've been on this uh, pod, um, it is being widely reported. You're not going to like this. Widely reported that Caicedo, we have withdrawn all interest in Caicedo. That was, that was, that is not going to be part of our, some plans reported from uh, top tier, you know, uh, Times, a few other, few other places. Looks like he's going to Stamford Bridge, most likely. Mm, uh, interesting. Fabrizio Romano saying that, not a done deal, but almost, I think, as close as Rice is to Arsenal, Caicedo is to Chelsea. Well, what do you make of that? Well, um, it, it, that, that'll be interesting. We'll see how it goes. I mean, in general, if if we are going to get Declan Rice, I, you know, you'd like to think that we've got a plan in place. I think if Caicedo um, doesn't come, then that means that Thomas Party will still be at Arsenal next year, which I don't think was a given. Um, but it'll be interesting. It puts even more pressure on... Um, the Declan Rice deal. We absolutely have to get that deal done. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going it, to... 
at the end of the day, I'm not going to necessarily second guess what we're doing if we don't want a player. We don't know all the ins and outs right now. It would suggest to me that they're very confident of getting Declan Rice on. But if they mess that up and Caicedo goes, there is going to be... Their heads will have to roll, unfortunately. Yeah. They will. There's nowhere to hide. And whilst we're speaking on that, um, oh, all reports are being that we've actually had our first bid rejected by Declan Rice. Now, this has caused all sorts of furore in the world of Twitter. Uh, Matt, some of it, you, we've both been at it at on. But um, ultimately, the reports are that we had a bid north of 80 million plus add-ons rejected by West Ham. Um is this just part of the natural negotiation process or are we messing around low-balling as the other reports that have come out today are that a late bit of interest may be being shown by, you guessed it, triple winners and endless money bags, Man City may be coming in at the 11th hour. Matt, what do you make of the Declan Rice situation? Um, I think it's normal to have the opening bid rejected, but I think we do need to get a bit of a move on um, because it's, it's got Madrid written all over it. It's like, oh, the player wants to come, he wants to come, we want to come. Oh, he's gone somewhere else at the last minute and we're dilly-dallying for weeks. We need to just get this locked. Of course, they're going to want a bit of a bidding, like, you know, bids around it. The Manchester City news is, is a real was a real sort of surprise. Waking up to that Ornstein tweet made me uh, cough up a bit sick into my mouth. It was it was alarming to to, to read that so early in the morning. But um, yeah, um, I don't think Manchester City are interested. I looked up Rodri's age; he's twenty six years old. And like and Declan Rice and Rodri are the you know why is Rice going to go there and be his deputy? He's he's not better than Rodri. It just isn't. Um, he has the potential, maybe, to be better, but but he isn't right now. So, I don't think it's real. I think all of the clubs are playing games with each other a little bit. I'm sure we're trying to screw Chelsea over. I'm sure City are trying to like raise the price on us. You know, it's a competitive market out there. I think we'll get it done, but um, it would make me feel better if we got it done um, a little bit quickly. And you know. The Rice-Sado thing was probably never real, but it felt real. Um, the crazy thing about this window is how emotionally attached you get to players. Um, I think missing out on Caicedo is a mistake. I think he's the new Kante. I think we'll regret it for years if we don't get him. I think we need to, we're going to need to re-engineer the whole midfield. And so getting Rice and Caicedo, keeping party for one season and selling him next season would be the best possible option. We've got rid of Xhaka, but Arteta knows best. And... Um, and yeah, it, it's uh, we've just got to get this deal done. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I did believe that Rice-Ado was a was a realistic thing. The Declan Rice thing, I am not perturbed by the fact that our first bid was rejected. That tends to be the way things go. Um, ultimately, I feel like um, the situation with regards to uh, Declan Rice is, as you kind of intimated, we now need to really, really up it. What we can't be doing is 80 million plus add-ons rejected. Oh, 85 million plus add-ons. No, stop messing around. They're not messing around, so you don't mess around. And I don't think we should be paying 120 million for him per se if it's going to, you know, uh, preclude us from getting other targets. But at the end of the day, that's how much he's going to cost. So stop messing around. He's a player in, you know, in diet that we desperately need. Uh, and we shouldn't be messing around. I, I personally feel like um, we should move off Thomas Party this summer. I would I would have him moved. 
And I, that's why I was really keen to see what, you know, Caicedo uh, was going to do. But clearly, they've, um, double, they're doubling down on Thomas Party. Um, you know, obviously, what we do need, no matter what, is him to not end, the, you know, start the season the way he ended it, which was pretty atrociously. Um, but on the same note, if he is there, it should help with continuity when Declan Rice comes in. And it really is a deal that feels like it has to get done. So I hope we don't dilly-dally. I hope we're straight in. We don't piss around anymore and we can get ourselves over the line. So there we have it. The one thing I'd say about Caicedo is it seems like he just wants to get the fuck out of Brian. I don't think he really cares where he goes, which I think is a little bit of a warning sign. You know, he's 22 years old. I think, you know, he doesn't come across as someone who's really thinking about what's best for his career the opportunities he just seems to like want to get paid a ton more money and go to a bigger club i think that's a bit of a warning sign yeah but, think... but players do though i mean this is something that sometimes i think as fans we expect players of other clubs to somehow care about our club as much as we do he doesn't give a fuck about arsenal why should he you know what i mean and well, ultimately... well I'd, I'd say this right and i'd say this i'd say you want to go to a club where you are going to be able to perform at your best and I think you look at the number of incredible, ta- incredibly talented players at Chelsea who have floundered in recent years, like Mason Mount, like Kai Havertz. Uh, you know, it's a tricky place to go and be at the top of your game. Under, under Thomas Tuchel, they hit their peak. Under Graham Potter, they didn't. Pochettino, there's positive signs. He's got a good track record, but it's chaos over there at the moment with, with the new ownership. And I think as a player, you want to you want to go somewhere where you can make a meaningful difference, where the coach is there, where there's stability and all of those things. And I was, I was reading a bit about, you know, Patrick Clivert's son, right? Really hot prospect at Ajax, got offered to go to Roma. Yeah. You know, went Justin to Roma. Justin Clivert, yeah. Justin Clivert went to Roma and has now been on loan at like Valencia and a load of other places. And he's like, get me out of Roma, but he's on a five-year deal. And he's like, it's miserable here. I don't want to be here. I thought I'd be here two years, then I'd be going to Real Madrid. But instead, I'm signed to a five-year contract. I've been on loan for three. My career's floundered. I think that is a really, really important lesson that he could have stayed at Ajax. He could have done two more years. And you look at someone like Erling Haaland, right? Erling Haaland had all the options in the world, but he was really, really, uh, it's been really, his career's been really, really well thought through. Strategic, you know? yeah. yeah. He went to Dortmund when he could have gone Manchester United. You know, he now he's at Manchester City. The world is at his feet. He can do whatever he wants. He's developing. He's learning. I'm sure the coaches he's played under have been really, really important. The atmosphere that he's been learning in. So, you know, there are there are errors to be made in club selection right now. Arsenal and and uh, and you know, I think going to Arsenal a few years ago would have been you know problematic. I was reading about Mbappe in 2017. Does he, did he really want to come and play for Arsene Wenger in 2017? Mm. I'm sure that played a part. Whereas the idea of coming and playing for a coach like Mikel Arteta right now, Arsenal on the rise, be part of that. I think that's where you want to be. And Champions League. It is true. But unfortunately, look at... Look at... You did the comp yourself, Kante, OK? After Leicester won a league, Kante obviously moved on. Uh, Chelsea were in disarray that season. We we finished higher than them. Uh, we very much looked like we might be in a position to move on, and we had the offer of we offered to get Kante, and Chelsea did. But ultimately, you know, it, it's about how serious you move as a club. 
You've got to put up the money and you've got to act decisively. And one of the things Arsenal have done for many years is we can fuck around a bit, unfortunately. You know, we, we oh yeah, we kind of like the player. Oh yeah, can we get it? No, no. Big clubs act with dominance. They go in and they say, this is what we're doing because this is how, this is what we're going to do and this is what we're how we're going to get it done. And it gives confidence to the players. It gives confidence to the fans. And I hope we do get our big boy pants on this year and really start throwing our rate around like a team that nearly won the Premier League last year and is back in the Champions League looking to do damage. That's what I want to see. Um, and one of the ways that that could happen is with a signing that not many people were talking about a couple of weeks ago, Kai Havertz from Chelsea, same team we were talking about. Uh, they may be getting Kai Sado, but they may be losing Kai Havertz to none other than the mighty Arsenal. Matt, what do you make of this deal? Talk to me about the particulars. Is there even a number that uh, you, you would um, give the thumbs up to this deal on? And uh, overall, yeah, how, how are you feeling about it? Everything's interconnected, right? I think, um, am I, I'm, I'm excited about this deal at the right price. Um, and I think that I'm excited about it. I don't really want to go above 40 million for Havertz. I really don't because I think he's got two years on his contract. I think Chelsea are under pressure. I think it's one of those ones where we take it to the last day. If he chooses to go Bayern or Real Madrid or whoever else is interested, then, then, then so be it. And I think it's more of an opportunistic signing rather than like a key piece in the jigsaw. Um, I don't really like the idea of paying 55 million for him. I think he's just got too many deficiencies in front of goal. But I will say this, the quality of the teams that are interested in him, a testament to the quality of the player. Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Arsenal. It's not, you know, it's not Brentford and Brighton. Um, so he's clearly, clearly a, a, a talent. I spoke to my mates at Chelsea. They said he has the potential to be incredible. And I think that's what it is. He's, 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 it's a lot of potential. When you look at like a 35 million for Fabio Vieira, 40, 45 for Havertz would, would seem like, um, seem like a, a good price. And you think about it and you go, you know, we could potentially sell Smith Rowe and get Havertz for sort of similar amounts of money. Would you swap Smith Rowe for Havertz? I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, heart says no, but head says yes. So I think it could be a, a decent signing. The bit I don't like, which, is that we're helping Chelsea. You know, they have this financial fair play issue. Let's keep them pinned down. You know, they had one of the most stupid, ridiculous Januaries in history. Why are we trying to help them out? There should be a concerted effort from all the clubs to not be doing anything with them. Manchester United are playing hardball on Mount. 40 million bid. Absolutely low-balling it. You'd love to see it. I think that's what we should be doing. 40 million. 40 million, take it or leave it, and then just leave the bid hanging until the, the end of the end of the window and see if they want to take it. They might have to, especially if they want to get Caicedo. So funny that you say that. I mean, I, I, we haven't even talked about this, but we are singing from the same sh sh uh, hymn sheet. The reality is, is I wouldn't go above 40. And I, I said, I don't want us to sit, I don't want to see us committing vast amounts of money to get Kai Havertz because I can't believe that he was part of the original plan. I can't believe that at all. And also, we can't deny the fact that one of the things that we needed towards the end of the season was a new number nine, a guy who was, you know, a clinical finisher and who you could play in those tough games and would offer an alternative. We talked about Vlajevic, we talked about Ivan Toney, um, who are both better options as a striker, in my opinion. But the thing about Kai Havertz is he obviously... OK, OK. 
Kai Havertz is obviously um, a guy who scored in the Champions League final. He's no mug. Like you say, all the big clubs are interested. I would take him, but only at the right price. Only at the right price. And Matt, I think we're going to have to leave it there because my son is not going to allow me to do much more. Um, so um, I, will, I will say Sky Sports News, so decent reputable source, have said West Ham's valuation of Declan Rice remains 120 million. Or the Hammers would also take 100 million plus a player. They're fucking dreaming. One source, which this is the bit I don't like. This is from Sky Sports News. So, you know, tier two. One source has described the way in which Arsenal's opening offer was structured as embarrassing. I mean, <laughs> it does feel like we do this a bit. It does feel like we got the same feedback from Mudrick and Shakhtar. It's like, yeah, we'll give you 50 million if we win the Champions League five years in a row. You know, it's like, for fuck's sake. Because that's what gets people's backs up when they don't feel like they're, they're being fairly treated. Um, so, obviously, this is all on Twitter. None of it is verified. We're all probably just getting all panicky. But I'm getting, I'm getting twitchy around this one. If that is the case, I'm getting very antsy because, goodness me, I don't want any more quotes from even unnamed people, it's embarrassing. Just stop messing around. Put the money up. We don't want it. Yeah, once we get out of our mobile phone contract, we'll have a little bit extra cash to give. No, just give them the money. Stop acting like we haven't got anything. You're making enough money out of all these Adidas kit releases, aren't you? For goodness sake. Um, I, that being said, I don't think 120 million is right for Declan Rice. So if Bellingham goes for that. But usually, if we're bidding 80 million a normal 80 million, and they want 120, maybe meet in the middle, that's kind of how it works, you know, maybe just shy of 100, but there we go. All right, mate, right, now, that's all I've got time for anyway. Um, thank you guys to, for listening. Let's hope that Arsenal pull their sodding fingers out and get something done, and uh, let us know uh, in the comments, if you are on YouTube, um, what you think, what you make of the fixtures, how that, does that help or hinder our chance at potentially getting one better in the title challenge next uh next season uh apart from that thank you guys for tuning in and we'll say ciao for now ciao for now sports social podcast network